Welcome to episode 81 of The People on K-Chung, 1630 AM. I'm Matthew Timmons. And I'm Ben White. Our guests on this episode are Alex Jablonski and Jason Tippett. Alex Jablonski is a documentary filmmaker whose 2019 film Wildland recently won two Emmys for Outstanding Editing and for Outstanding Cinematography. And you can watch that film just about anywhere where you see movies. It's really about emotion. And I think the thing that gives it this weight is because you know that on some level this is real life and because all of these things that happen that are so so surprising because they're surprising to the filmmakers it to me that's like it just gives this like little little charge to everything jason tippett is a documentary filmmaker working in los angeles you can see his award-winning film only the young from 2012 on amazon prime His book of photography, Heading to Bills for Cigarettes, has just been released from Oscilloscope, and it's a limited run of a thousand copies, so you should really get your copy right now. Yeah, go buy one. I think those are the type of documentaries that should be made. I think think if you know you're going to make money off a documentary, it's probably like some pop culture layup that I'm not super interested in, but, uh, but it seems like most people are. And if you hang out to the end of the show, we're going to hear the world premiere of a new song from Los Angeles band Rinks. The People features the voices and ideas that make up the cultural landscape of Los Angeles, the West Coast, and beyond. It's like a broken record, magically repaired. Alex Jablonski and Jason Timmett, welcome to The People. Yeah, welcome, guys. Thank you for having us. So, Alex, tell us about your Emmy Award-winning movie. So the film is called Wildland, and it follows uh, a crew of wildland firefighters over the course of a single summer. And you see them kind of come in during the job interviews all the way to when they're fighting their first fire. And that's kind of what it's about. But what it's really about is kind of these folks trying to find purpose in their lives or find some form of healing uh, through fighting fire. And, you know, you can imagine how the fire functions as a metaphor from there. Um And so, but to make the film, we actually became firefighters ourselves. So we were actually part of the crew. We fought fire with these guys. And we were only shooting about 10 or 15% of the time that we were out there. And so the result is that you have all this time where you're just in the woods with these guys working with them. And once you got past this kind of like proving stage of like, oh, is this guy really going to work? Or is he like just going to be here to make this film or blah, blah, blah. Um, Once you earned your stripes, you're kind of just like anyone else on the crew. And I think that's that's the quality that we were trying to really bring about was to make this experiential story where when you are dipping into these kind of interior monologues, you know, these kind of the stories, these guys' backstories, it just feels totally natural. It feels like, oh, this might have been something that I would have learned from them out on the line, but now I'm learning from it this way. And, you know, because of all the time we spent out there, it was a two-way street. I mean, I shared a lot with Tim about, you know, what it was like for me growing up and stuff like that. And so I think that you develop this really natural rapport. And I think that's what kind of gives it. It's an intimacy that's really earned. And I think that earned quality comes through in the film. Okay, so we, we should talk about this because I think that when we're talking about documentaries, I think that you and I both make a very specific style of doc and we're both fans of a very specific style of doc right yeah absolutely okay you're not super into watching some kind of like bio pick no i i mean i'm interested in directors of documentaries like people making 
deliberate choices and uh, just recognizing their style and appreciating just the choices that they put in to, to the way they want to tell a story. And I feel like I don't see, I mean, not like I don't see a lot of it these days, but it's pretty few and far between when I'm seeing a documentary filmmaker not doing like a poor man's impression of like, I mean, I, I love this show with all my heart. Like I love chef's table, but I do feel like a lot of stuff I see now feels very much like people doing an impression of that. And it's like, everything looks beautiful and it's like glossy and like the interviews look nice, but like the thing uh, with rewatching uh, Wildlands, I mean, it, it's just so refreshing to see, just like you stay in a scene with people. Like there's there's scenes, like there's not, there's not kind of this like floating, like B-roll over interviews and it it moves and the choices you make are very similar to the way like someone making and directing a fiction film would make. And I just... I respect that. And I, I mean, movies I've seen lately that impress me in that way, like Liza Mandelip's like Jawline, I mean, is just such a wonderful thing uh, that it's like you can just see her as a director and it, it just doesn't feel like someone meandering and following people around with a camera. There's like deliberate choices you yeah. see in the work. Have you seen and, all these sleepless nights? I love, yeah, that director too. Oh my, I'm forgetting his Mike, name. But Mikhail Marzak, right? Yeah, like Fuck for Forest. Yes. Like another director that just, whatever he makes, I'm going to watch. For me, the way I, I think about it in some ways is like, one, I'm only interested in making, and for the, predominantly I'm only interested in watching present tense documentaries. Oh, that's a great point. Okay, so that's that's something I, um, I yeah, I don't ever want to make something that's already happened. Like that right. just doesn't seem exciting to me. Like I love, and it's almost like the story isn't the important thing for me up front. It's like the, like the subjects uh, are are what's important to me. And I think there's like always a story going on, like with. And when you say subjects, you mean the characters or the characters? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I I'm pretty sure that's like how you go into making things too. Is... Well, I mean, I, I mean, so in another film, I would just say like, is the overnighters. That's a film that I really loved that had this like very present quality about it where you're seeing scenes unfold. Um, I mean, for me, I, I begin every, every film or like every spark of an idea with, with a question. Right. So for wildland, it was like, how do young men grow up? And it was really about that liminal state between like 20, I mean, 21 and 25. Right. But then also with that question comes the question of like, well, what does growing up mean? And so, you know, we have like one of our rookie characters in the film is actually like 45 years old. But he, he, I mean, to me, he begins the film as a boy and he ends the film as a man because there's something that there's that transformation, there's that change. And I was particularly interested in like, the group dynamic. I mean, that's the stuff I'm interested in watching. That's the stuff I'm interested in making. Um, and I think that I like what you're saying about like, yeah, you know, like just that style and these deliberate choices, because I think that's like more about getting to the ecstatic truth than the like, you know, here, here's the, the real truth. Yeah. And the casting part of it too. I mean, the people, you know, you're filming, like, I, I mean, for me, it's important that I love someone who can be themselves no matter what. 
and it's almost this like this lack of like self-awareness mm-hmm. or something and it's to me if i turn the camera on and they're not the same person that i really liked uh you know when i wasn't filming it's sort of just a red flag and you know one of my favorite movies like uh, american movie it's just i mean it it comes down to these like people you're filming and it's to me like a story like sometimes it just sounds better on paper like that they're going through and and that's what i feel like i see a lot of now is just things that sound good on paper but i don't think they necessarily need to be movies like there's like so many stories like but does this movie could have been an email (laughs) (laughs) yeah like this this really could have been like you know like three sentences like telling someone at a bar like uh you know what 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 yo sea world is fucked up <laughs> yeah alex you said you started wildland with a question but i right. wonder how like in the process of making you know a documentary like this how those questions change in the process of making the work like do you find new i think that for me it's um the question doesn't change as much as you start to get answers and because you start to get answers you start to incorporate those answers into the film and so, you know, you hear these things and you're like, oh, like that's actually a piece of it, you know. And um, I remember a really big revelation for me was recognizing that all of our characters were carrying around this kind of unresolved anger. And it was this kind of anger that like lost its way that didn't, you know, they couldn't even point back to like what it was. And a really big, in terms of the edit, a really big change is now um, the film opens mm-hmm. with this guy at his house standing in front of a door with all these holes in it. And he's talking about how he, how this was a kick, this was a punch. He's kind of like giving this index of all of the things he did to that door when he was like a, a teenager. And then he says, uh, yeah, I was a really angry kid and I don't remember why. And then the film starts, right? And so I think like once we put that at the head of the film a lot of the characters started to fall into place like or at least the way that people were reading them began to fall into place because now we'd given them a kind of way to read those characters and i think like that was one of the answers is like okay well maybe growing up is coming to terms with that unresolved anger and walking away from it here's the other thing is like when we're talking about documentaries i mean i think the thing that's interesting is the films that you and i are interested in both in making and watching they don't have anything to do with an issue. Yeah. And they don't have anything to do with a historical figure. And and to me, like that is because for me, like I was not into docs when I was in film school. And I'll also say, I mean, I think Ben and I were talking about this before you guys showed yeah. up. We realized that like there's not really moments where there's a person in a chair and you've got the light set up and you're like, So so what was this like? You know, and that to me is a mark of a lot of documentaries. It's like there's oh, a person absolutely. in a chair. Like you said, telling it's that you, chef's table yeah, form, telling you about format. something that happened, yeah. and so that's a big difference. Which I mean, you guys probably you you already well beyond that, but for me, it's like that's a big difference in the documentary style that you guys do. Well, yeah, and I think that that also, I mean, for me, it's like it also ups the degree of difficulty in like a very challenging way and a really fun. I mean, fun was the wrong word, but in a really. Um, crystallizing focusing way is like okay well i'm not going to use that i'm not going to use that you know what other options do i have um 
but what I was going to say about like not having an issue is like, so I wasn't into documentaries. I was like a hardcore narrative guy from the time I was like, you know, first got into movies, which was like 10 or 11 years old. But the film that really turned me on was Sherman's March. Oh, the best. Yeah. All time. Yeah. Right? Because I was like, yeah. wait, this film is about love. It's about how we navigate our own lives. It's about like, what does it mean to, to, even be alive and like why do we why do we hold certain people up and like all of this stuff and, and this pain and you know this kind it's of so funny. aimlessness like so funny oh yeah that and it's hilarious yeah. and that was the first time where i was like whoa documentaries can do this i had i had the exact similar thing happen where i had an idea of what i thought documentaries were and when i first saw american movie i didn't realize you could make a, a film about people like this and it could just and and I think what I'm attracted to about uh, a lot of my favorite movies are kind of these like buddy or like best friend kind of movies. And so like, I mean, low and clear and, um, you know, and just like this bond of, of these people out doing this thing together, fighting fires, like, and getting to see their relationship to me, like story just always kind of falls, like it takes a backseat to me a little bit. And, um, but yeah, I, I had no idea you could make movies like this. And so, yeah, after watching that, I realized all these kids I grew up with, they're what I was interested in filming. And mm -hmm. so um, so then I, yeah, started making these portraits on like people around Newhall that that I grew up with. And, and what's, what I think the thing is, is like the currency that like, I mean, I'm making fun of Blackfish, but <clears throat> that Blackfish operates in, right, is like a kind of like rage. You know, like, don't do orcas like that, right? And, like, um, and I think a lot of, like, impact documentaries, there's some, I, I mean, not to oversimplify it, but there's there's some kind of element of that, right? And I think that what is interesting about the work we like, Jawline, you know, too, and All These Sleepless Nights and, and Only the Young, and is it's really about emotion. You know, it's really about emotion. And this, and I think the thing that, gives it this weight is because you know that on some level this is real life yeah and because all of these things that happen that are so so surprising because they're surprising to the filmmakers it to me that's like it just gives this like little little charge to everything and i also i feel like there's there's this other type of documentary or this other type of person who's like trying to like crack a story or you know just be the first one there and it's like uh, I don't know if you guys saw, it's incredible, uh, The Amazing Jonathan, mm -hmm. Ben Berman's film. It's on Hulu now. But I think it really is a great discussion on uh, just the reason people are making documentaries. It's like there's so many documentaries. Like, there's a documentary being made about everything. Like, And even multiple crews racing. Like, They're just these like... Uh, just these buzzards like circling like this tragedy and in his movie i love it because he kind of turns the camera back on himself and is like wait why am i making mm. this after this other crew comes in and uh tries to start filming and they're essentially filming this guy who has like a year left to live this magician from vegas and i helped edit on that like early on but like as i was working on it it just made me realize I was like, man, there's just too many documentaries. There's too many. <laughs> yeah. Like not everything needs to be a documentary. I mean, to me, the exciting part about making a movie like Only the Young or like Thompson, the short I made is 
that I think they're interesting and I want to show this to you. It's like not already this thing people are paying attention to. It's mm. it's like I want to present what I think is interesting to you. And, and it's a weird challenge in a way too, like taking something that maybe feels a bit like overlooked or mundane. In that way, it's very much like, you know, what this term that people use of like cinematic nonfiction. Mm-hmm. It's like you're trying to make... A, almost a, a narrative film in terms of thematic elements, in terms of characters, but you're just choosing to do that w- in a documentary style or a documentary approach using real people as themselves. And I think also, I mean, I think that that camera systems have made it a little bit easier. I mean, I, for for Wildland, we shot that in 6K on a, on a RED, which is a heavy camera. It's not a small camera. The batteries are heavy. Um, I mean, it's small, but it's also, it's what, you know, like Lord of the Rings was shot on and like, you know, straight out of Compton and stuff like that. And and, and along with like, you're out there actually fighting the fires well, that, with yeah, this right. equipment that, on your back. That's what I was going to say is it's like, it's one thing to be like, yeah, I'm really into cinematic nonfiction. It's another thing to carry a 25 pound camera into a wildfire and be like, okay, we're going to get this. You're listening to The People on Kei 1630 AM. I'm Ben White. And I'm Matthew Timmons. You can hear the people every third Sunday at 3 p.m. on Kei Chung, 16.30 a.m. You can also find us on Instagram at the underscore people underscore radio. And you can find us anywhere you find podcasts by searching for The People Radio. We're also hosted by Insert Blanc Press. So you can go to insertblancpress.net and click on the people at the top of the page and get this and all past episodes for free right there. Uh, and now we're going to get back to our conversation with Alex Jablonski and Jason Tippett. So, Jason, you have a new book coming out called Heading to Bills for Cigarettes. Yeah, so uh, I live in Atwater Village. I've lived here for like six years and uh, was doing a lot of editing from home, uh, like editing other people's documentaries. And uh, when I'd take breaks, I would usually just like walk around the neighborhood for like 20 minutes and... I don't know if it's like the proximity to like being that close to the river and the train tracks or whatever it is. But like every time I would leave my house, you see just like some slightly off event that I don't know, like day to day. I just appreciate like uh, Liza Mandelip, um, She introduced me to some photo books and kind of had a very similar feeling to uh, the what I got out of making documentaries. So uh, yeah, I started carrying a camera around and just, yeah, taking pictures of whatever I thought was kind of unique. Or... And a camera camera, a film camera. Yeah, I use uh, 35 for this project, um, which was nice because it, it was like a little bit of what I did in college. And um, and yeah, it's just like nice being able to go to the dark room and have actual like physical prints of your work. Yeah, so it's mostly um, just characters around the neighborhood I see it'll be some lady walking out of um a little market with like 10 rakes in her hand trying to eat an ice cream just like things that they're just like slightly off what's interesting to me about it right is like because you're describing it as these like lazy walkabouts where you were like taking a picture of like a flower you know what I mean and like but Street photography is really intense. Like it's very like any time that I've tried to do it, any time that I've like gone out and said, "Okay, I'm just gonna take photos of strangers on the street." Like it's a pretty intense experience, and it's also like you kind of don't know what you're gonna get in terms of the reaction and stuff like that. So like, well, one, do you still experience that intensity when you're taking photos? Is it intense for you at all? It's not 
it's not really intense. It's like I I actually have just a really good time doing it because I like interacting with people. So um, do you tell I, them you're going to take their photo? No, I, I don't. I, I don't speak to them at all. It's it's like until I get the shot and then afterwards uh, I I didn't like the kind of sneaky feeling of like that I was taking something from someone and they were like would see me walk off like at first I would do that and there was just something I I wasn't getting out of it personally just selfishly like I, I like interacting with people so like if I took their photo I would give them a compliment of like what I actually liked about why I was taking the photo just so they didn't feel like I was doing something sketchy or trying to like embarrass them. Yeah, there's no mistaking that I <laughs> took this photo. Like they, uh, yeah. So, so that's also another reason why I just would stop and chat with them. And uh, yeah, like that, I mean, none of that stuff is in the book, but it's just kind of a nice added personal thing for me. And it almost like it kind of scratches like the same itch as like documentary. Well, talk about um, that itch uh, that it scratches that is similar to documentary. Like, what is wh- what is that thing that appealed to you about it? I, I maybe just, like, wasn't as excited about making documentaries uh, at the time I started taking photos. Um, and there was something about a book format, like uh, this photographer, Jill Friedman, I really love, like, this New York photographer. She um, has this book of... Uh, of firemen and police officers and it just it kind of just felt like this incredible like intimate portrait um and the fact you could maybe like create your own playlist and just sit there with a book for a while was uh like it eliminated so much anxiety for me like I think I'm just like on my phone or like if you're watching a movie like you're also like on your computer like checking your email and this was just like my focus was just on these photographs in this book and would like sit there for like 45 minutes and just kind of flip through. And so I liked the idea of someone putting in the attention to a piece of work I would make. I think that because of the subject matter that you're working with, which, which I would say is like people on the margins, right? Like there's, there's a way to photograph that, that would feel like ironic and almost like a freak show type. I mean, freak show is too strong of a word, but kind of like this hipster distanced laughing at these folks yeah. Which is not in your work. Amazingly, which is like you're taking those photos, but there's this real open heartedness to the images. And yeah. uh, I, there, like that tension between like, wow, this feels like something that could be treated with irony, but there's some sincerity behind it. Even when it's like you're photographing someone in a bright pink shirt in a car that matches the color of that shirt, there's still like a warmth to it. So that's why I'm like trying to yeah. inquire about like your your mental state when you're taking the photos. Yeah, so I'm really glad that comes across because there is this, this like love of stepping outside and just being able to witness some of these things. Like the other morning I was walking to Hugo's to get breakfast and like this lady is just doing like yoga in the median. I feel like every day is just some kind of just like little strange moment that just like puts me in a better mood just because like I love how strange Los Angeles is and it's like I think a lot of people can find it overwhelming but I just like kind of can't get enough of it and and I think that you're capturing a lot of what makes it so fascinating and there's a certain like time capsule element to it right like I feel like your photos are very much of like this period of for lack of a better term kind of like American decline 
right of like people trying to cling on to these things and like um i'm thinking about the photograph of like the guy who's got to be in his late 50s uh, but totally ripped on a skateboard oh, yeah. yeah dude yeah that guy's like uh he's He's doing like handstands on his uh, on his skateboard. I was walking down the street and he's just like in the middle of the street, like eating popsicles, like eating those like um, like children's like little plastic tube popsicle Otter things. Pops. Otter pops. Yeah. yeah, he's got like four of them in his hand and like, um, yeah, just like didn't care that I was taking a few photos and the ones I ended up using for the book were actually the portrait I took of him standing there with his skateboard and it's like. Also, like, so much of it is just, like, luck, I feel like, because it's, like, his skateboard, like, the blues match his helmet, and then, of course, he has, like, blue otter pops. It's, like, just these, like, happy accidents that happen. Um, I, it, like, that part of it's really exciting to me, just the parts I can't control that I just feel so lucky present themselves. And that strangeness and that warmth that Alex is talking about, that, um, like, that's, also a prominent like component of your your documentary from 2012 only the young which documents uh, a group of teenagers in the Santa Clarita Valley which uh, is where Cal Arts California Institute of the Arts is where I went Matt went and you went um, and I've worked there I spent a lot of time up there but man oh man when I watched that movie I remember what a weird place that is so and, and they're bizarre. Christian teenagers Christian teenagers with minor threat shirts yeah you know, like, and stuff that from where I'm from in the South, it's like, you, you don't, you couldn't go to church with a black flag t-shirt on. So it's like, it's, it's regionally specific as well and very bizarre, but you treat them with this warmth, like Alex was saying, that isn't, yeah, doesn't put them at a, at a distance or isn't making fun of them. Yeah. I mean, at, and I also think with like Alex's films too, it's like, um, so much of making documentaries, I mean, to me, I feel like is is casting, which, um, I mean, I'm not, this is kind of a blanket statement, but like, I feel like casting is so much of what's missing in documentaries right now Hmm. where for me, I mean, I think, and probably for you, it's just something that's really intuitive. You just look at somebody and you know, like, Oh, they've got this quality, you know? And, and with the, the crew boss, the kind of quarterback in our film, who's a guy named Tim Brewer, um, you know, he, he just had this thing. He just had a certain kind of magnetic quality um, and just decided like, okay, we've got to be on his crew, you know, just saw the way he interacted with people. He was funny, which helps a lot. Like he had some, some, you know, um, he had a quick wit, but it was also just like, you could tell that there was something else going on there. There was something a little bit deeper. And so you just start, you know, pulling that thread. And then you're in this, I mean, this is, we're going to get really deep inside baseball documentary talk, but like, then you're in this very weird place for a long-term project like that, where you're you're trying to become friends with them because you feel like that's going to help the film, but you're also trying to become friends with them because the same thing that you recognize as making them a good character is a reason you like them on a personal level. And then you're kind of like balancing this thing of like, well, I'm being friend I'm friends with this guy because I like this guy, but at the same time, I'm also friends with this guy because I want to tell his story. And you have to kind of ba- like, is that exploitive? Is that you know, are you taking advantage on some level? Um, which is tricky, especially when you're spending, you know, a year or two years with somebody. And yeah, and what people decide to open up to you about. I'm always so shocked at these points where people decide to like let you in. And like, that's also another part of making 
these types of movies that uh, I feel lucky, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the access you got with all the, I mean, and everyone's so natural in your film too. But I think that the naturalness is really a function of like what journalists call the deep hang, right? It's just spending so much time together. You're listening to The People on K-Chung, 1630 AM. I'm Matthew Timmons. And I'm Ben White. Remember, you can find The People anywhere where you find podcasts, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, etc. You can also find us on Instagram or at the underscore people underscore radio. So go there. Yeah, follow get, us. Find us on Insta. Get them links. We're, yeah. We're also on uh, at insertblancpress.net. You can click on The People at the top of the page. You can find all our past episodes there. And now, back to our conversation with Alex Jablonski and Jason Tippett. When you meet a filmmaker, let's say you, you just meet someone and you don't know that much about, what do you what do you begin to assume about their income stream or how they make money? I mean, like, what's what, typically what do you think? I I mean, just because I'm projecting how how I am with documentary and how I make money, like documentary to me just feels like a really expensive hobby um, that I do in my free time. Uh, so I just assume that they're much better at talking people out of like their money to, like fund their <laughs> projects than I am. I'm not very persuasive. Also, I've had people offer to give me money and it's like for some reason it's just like hard for me to take people's money because it's yeah, wait give you money in what context like give me money to to make my movies okay and there's like this weight where i'm not always sure how like how they're gonna turn out and mm-hmm. it just it, it feels uh yeah there's just a lot of weight taking someone's money not uh, knowing that they're probably not gonna make it back or if they do like uh they're, they're just gonna make their money back and uh, yeah, so I, I just always assume people uh, people are better at applying for grants and uh, getting creative with, with funding projects. But yeah, also that, you know, you meet people who maybe come from a bit of, bit of privilege uh, where they don't have to worry as much about people helping them out if, if it doesn't work out. Like, I, I definitely don't have that at yeah. all. Like, I, I couldn't ask my parents for anything. So that that fear for me of like actually being like homeless and hungry. Like, I mean, I'll figure it out. It's real. Like it's stressful because it's time I'm taking to make something that, you know, uh, and the type of movies I make, I I don't think are going to make a lot of money. And so like for oscilloscope to, uh, to like put out my work and, you know, like the photo book, I mean, they're, I, I respect a company like that so much because they, they're they're just trying to put out good work. I mean, yeah, and and we should mention there are only going to be a thousand copies of Jason's book printed, so get on it. But yeah. um, I mean, I think that like so one thing I've been thinking about is like if if a certain type of documentary doesn't make money, should people be making them? I think those are the type of documentaries that should be made. I think uh, I think if you know you're going to make money off a documentary, it's probably yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a like bad it's sign, right? <laughs> it's probably just like some pop culture like layup that I don't know I'm not super interested in but uh but it seems like most people are so uh, yeah yeah 
I don't know. I mean, but getting back to the, the kind of individual income thing, I think that I, I'm really interested in just like artists having the conversation about how you make money because it's so critical. And I think I had this experience coming out of film school. I'll never forget it. I was, I was cutting a film for a director and we were cutting at my house and the rate was low. And he was like, um, hey, we're going to have some folks over for dinner who worked on the film. Like, you should, you should come over. And got the address. And I'm, like, driving over. I'm just kind of like, man, this is a crazy neighborhood. Like, crazy in terms of how nice it was. And, and then it was just a full-on mansion. I mean, it was a full-on three-story mansion. Pool in the backyard, the whole deal. And um, I'd been really comparing myself to this guy. Like, oh, why had, he, why had he made two films and I'd made none? And why, you know, and, and really kind of beating myself up about um, just from my, where I was at that time of like not being on a path far enough. And I think like I'm the reason I'm interested in having this conversation is because I really wish that or I think it's important to hear that if you don't come from money, your path and your timeline might be very different than peers of yours who do come from money. And that's OK. You know, and just kind of like having a, a certain kind of like consciousness around it. Um, and I also think it's just really tricky because like, yeah, I mean, these docs don't make, I mean, they make a lot of money, but if you spread it out over, they can, but if you make, if you spread it out over three years or you spread it out over four years, it's not that much money. And so, you know, for me, it's like, thank God for marketing work, advertising, really directing commercials and branded content stuff, because that's really where I'm able to, to make a healthy income. If I'm going to be honest, um, like this pendulum of like things working out, like I remember after Only the Young, I started getting like all this like commercial work and I was like really in with this agency and I was like, oh my God, I'm like making this much money. And I just was like a little irresponsible with it. And I just thought like, this is how, this is how my life's going to be. I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, 25 making like pretty good money and then yeah things like started to change and that like work wasn't coming in and so then I'm like saying yes to editing things that I'm not excited about and editing films for people who got grants that I'm just blown away that they were given a grant and mainly getting hired because they like the movies I've directed and then I feel like I'm oh that's directing that's that's a real like their, thing it's infuriating. I, I don't want to interrupt, but I've had I've had a lot of times where I'm like, because I edit, I'll edit films for um, for work, but also because I like it. I mean, there's also something really satisfying about cutting something that you weren't there shooting because you have that kind of distance from it, where you can be like, okay, like you know, you're attached to this, but I think this is the way it can work, and you can actually, I actually think like my, my bedside manner as an editor has gotten way better having been a director. You know, which is like, it's okay that you're freaking out. Like, and if I were freaking out, this is what I would want to hear. I've had, you know, producers be like, but you're also a director. And like, how are you going to not do that when we're hiring you to be an editor? Well, what then is the strategy? And this, you know, we're talking about documentary filmmaking or filmmaking, but I mean, this, this obviously goes for anyone. Do you mean what's the strategy in terms of making a living or what's the strategy of landing jobs? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, like, like dealing with the fact that like you're in a field where some of the players on that field and listen i'll just say it's four white men at this table so yeah i mean the, so that is that is a level that people who are not that like look at and be like well dudes like you mm -hmm. have the level that we're talking about of people with money it's like we have a leg up on a lot of people as well but 100 percent. but that being said when yeah. you're when you're faced with players that have money like how 
how do you do it? I, I'm also, I, you also like lose this confidence in yourself. Like, I mean, like programmers will, you know, like with the book, like, uh, I mean, I sent out an annoying mass email and a few programmers were on that list and they all just wrote me back. They're like, would you just make another movie? <laughs> and I'm like, if only it were that easy. <laughs> yeah. And you know, making this book was, I guess, kind of a nice, uh, just like break from, from filmmaking, just cause I, when you spend an entire day editing someone else's project, going home to edit your project is pretty difficult. And, uh, I just slowly became like not excited about it anymore. And I needed, Mm-hmm. Uh, something else that um, was in that realm, but uh, but yeah, just just was different. I needed something else to get excited about, yeah. and and that's hard to do when you're trying to make a living. I mean, like you're alluding to it, and just bring it back to a conversation about money. Like what I want to say is like I don't I don't think what we're doing actually here is griping, because I think that I think that understanding how to navigate this means having the capacity to make better work, and and to make work at all. I think that what you were saying about it results in a loss of confidence is really, really critical because when you can't get work and I, you know, I've absolutely been there and like you're having, you're stressing about money, like forget about being creative, forget about having interesting ideas. It's like just putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. It takes a toll. Oh, absolutely. Just the stress. And I think that, um, that, I mean, and we can include this in the podcast now, but like, you know, Spike Jones, right? Like Spike Jones comes from, you know, the Talbot's fortune. He was, you know, in- incredibly wealthy. And I think that like, if you spend time around the re- really wealthy folks, they're not used to having people say no. Yeah. Right. And so that expands what you think is possible in terms of whatever you're doing. And so you like, there's no, like, it's, it, it's just different when you come from a different class, I think. Sure. I think also with the money thing, when you're, your creative work is sometimes very close to the jobs that you take that can also like kind of sully the waters for actually your creative work. Like, like you said earlier, you're going home, you're editing other people's work. Um, and it can be difficult to take your mind out of the other people's work and like make your own ideas. So, I mean, how is that for you guys? You're, I mean, besides just the commercial work, but, Things that are so close to what you're already doing, like slicing that cake, you know, diagonally so that you can still have your slice and eat it too, you know. I think part of it's being lucky enough to have really good clients. Like I I did, uh, you know, done a a fair amount of work for the clothing brand Patagonia and they are wonderful clients. And if anything, like I think at times I would turn in stuff that was a little too out there or, you know, whatever, but – at the same time, like you, you're lucky in that you actually are doing what it is that you love to do. You're just doing it under a certain, you know, a certain structure. And I will say that when you don't have that structure and there's no deadline, you have no idea how it's going to be released. You don't know if you're ever going to finish it. Like that is a very, very different feeling. And it's, it's both freeing and terrifying, you know, in a way that, that doing something is like, okay, this is this job. This is this deadline. It's getting released here. It's in, you know, it's advertising or it's branded content, however you want to term it like that feels different. But I think that doing that. And then I also think, I mean, for me working some of the jobs that I've had, if I had not had the bigger thing I was working on, I would have lost my mind. 
you know, I mean, when I was making the fire dock for a year and a half, I was working in-house in the marketing department of a solar company. And I was spending my weekends flying up to Oregon to go tromp around in the woods with these dudes. And uh, if I hadn't had that, and it was just like, okay, like, this is what I'm doing. I'm like in the marketing department of a solar company. Like, I probably would have lost it. Yeah, walked into traffic. Yeah, it's mm. rough. And and that was a good job. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I had it pretty well, but pretty good. But like, for me, like, I just, I have that thing where I need to be working on something or making something. And, you know, when I'm 70, it'll probably be some kick-ass watercolor that I'm working on on my front porch. But I always have to have, you know, that thing. I had this teacher, uh, when I was first starting out, Mike Gott, who... Uh, when I was first making short films, would always like tell the class, like, um, you know, make sure you're being very careful with, uh, with like what you're showing and just like, don't disrespect people's time. Like Mm. make sure like whatever you're showing them is like the best and like, don't make it too long. It's like people's time is like important. So like that should, that should be important to you. And I don't know. I, yeah, something that for some reason that's like always kind of stuck with me with, like what I'm showing people, I want them to know, like I've put so much thought into right, this right. that like, I'm not fucking with your time. No, I have an absolute terror of doing anything that's self-indulgent. Yeah. You know, or that I perceive as self-indulgent or anyone else does. Like it's. Yeah. So, I mean, whether it's a movie or a book, it's just like, I feel like I don't want to put anything out unless I'm just so excited about it and I'm proud of it. Like I'll, like if this movie I'm making on Nick, I've been working on for three or four years, like, and he's a good buddy. I've told him, like, if I don't think it's a great movie, like, I'm just not going to put it out. Like, and he feels the same way. And I don't know. I, I hope, I think people just put stuff out too much. <laughs> I think maybe like take a second and just like really, I don't know. Maybe it's easier for me to say because... Well, we'll yeah. close out with those words <laughs> of wisdom. Jason, Alex, thank you so much for yeah, joining thank us. You. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to The People on K Chung, 1630 AM. I'm Ben White. And I'm Matthew Timmons. You can find The People Radio anywhere that you find your podcast by searching for The People Radio. Yeah, that's Stitcher, SoundCloud, all Overcast, all that stuff. Leave us a rating and review if you can. That would be very nice. Uh, iTunes especially, that helps us out. And we're also on Instagram at the underscore people underscore radio. So find us on Instagram as well. Yes, please do. Our theme song is Ock Fifth by Lewis Keller. As always, yes. And... We're going to go out uh, this episode with a world premiere of a new song from Los Angeles band Rinks. You can find them on SoundCloud and uh, you can also find them on Instagram at Rinks with three eyes, R-I-I-I-N-C-S. And they are playing at the Moroccan Lounge here in Los Angeles this Thursday night, December 19th, 2019. That'll be a good show at a very good venue. Yes. And the name of the song is Grapefruit.
how it works. That's how the magic gets made. 